Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. <laughs> Let's go. All right, uh, close your eyes. Imagine with me. Uh, I'm going to share some word association. When you hear these words, what do you think of? Especially when they are lumped together. Boring. Irrelevant. Judgmental. Hypocritical. Say it out loud. What do you think of? <laughs> That's how people describe the church. That's how people describe the church. Some people say the church is the only organization that shoots its own wounded. When you're down, the church will kick you. And I'm one of the leaders in the church. It makes me sad to think about the reputation of the church. And if that's true, a lot of people, maybe even in this room, have been part of a church where you were beat up spiritually. People use that phrase. I was beat up at my old church. I was beat up growing up as a child. Legalism, judgmental. Others burned out. I was used. I was unappreciated. I just kind of gave myself and nobody noticed. And you got burned out. And you know what happens when we have this negative experience? We become what is happening today. Hashtag church. I'm just going to go for a hike. This is church. I'm out in nature. I can experience God. It's so easy. I feel closer to God when I go for a walk on the beach on Sunday morning. Why, why, not, why can't that be church? I'm going to go to Scarlet Begonia with my friends. I'll say a little blessing before the meal. That's spiritual. That's this hashtag. This is church. Some of you that are watching online are at Jammy Church this morning. You just decided to stay in bed. Hey, Connie Piercy, shout out in Dallas, Texas. I know you're watching, Jammy Church. But um, some of you are going, God, he's, isn't he being a little hard? Is that evil? Is that bad? Why church? We're in a series called Why Church? Why Church? Why Church? If you have a program, we have a passage of Scripture Maybe uh, I might begin by saying, this is church at its best. This is a, a glimpse of God's vision for the church. I want to I go after some of these questions this morning. Why is it important to commit to a church to show up uh, to not church hop? What about church hopping? That's kind of cool for a while, Right? Uh, it's less messy. If you don't like uh, that we can't bring our coffee in here 
or you don't like that we run out of coffee sometimes out there, you can go to another church that lets you bring your coffee in here. Why not do that? Oh, I got... Or if you don't like that uh, the way Casey sings on Sunday morning, or you don't like the way your neighbor doesn't sing at all next to you on Sunday morning, oh, you know, I'm going to go here. What's wrong with that? I'll go to this church because of the worship, this church because of the coffee, this church because of the pastor, the, the speaker, the sermon, this church because it's shorter, it's only 60 minutes, this church because they go deeper and it's two hours. And I kind of bop. Is there anything wrong with church hopping, bopping along, church to church, different? It's certainly less messy. Or when you get your feelings hurt. Raise your hand if you've ever had your feelings hurt in a church. Those of you that haven't raised your hand, you will. <laughs> and you will here. Because there are people here, real people, messy, imperfect people. It won't be intentional, but you're going to be unappreciated. You'll do something that will go unnoticed. You will be overlooked to serve on the leadership team or invited to a birthday party of somebody that maybe were, you were part of their small group and, and somebody at a party and you didn't get invited and you're going to get your feelings hurt. And so it's just so much easier to go, I'm out. I'm not dealing with these people. I can't keep going to that church because of him or her or them. And this is the culture that we live in commitment phobia. I'm not committing. I'm committed until I decide I'm not committed. That's my commitment level. So why not just go, leave, go somewhere else when, when your feelings do get hurt? When, when I say something this morning that offends you or that you go, ooh, I, I don't think I agree with that. Why not just leave? Why not just go, I'm, I want to go to a church where the guy on the platform or the woman on the platform says everything that I agree with. That's where I need to go. I need to be part of a church where they tell me exactly what to believe, and I agree with everything. Some of you, maybe that's a better fit for you. Why not just leave and bop around? Why stay committed to this church or any church? Do I have your attention? Are you leaning in? Who, who next to you? Just elbow them up. They're already doing this. <laughs> All right, here we go. Acts chapter 2, God's vision for the church. I want you to notice what I noticed this week. Uh, all the plural language in this passage of Scripture. All the plural language. I think it, it, to me it shines a spotlight on why the Christian faith and our spiritual lives are not meant to be alone. Some of us go, well, my faith's personal. It's private. I can follow Jesus by myself. I don't have to be part of a church. I can just be reading the Bible. I read the Bible every morning. I have my quiet time. I pray. Uh, right? But listen to this language. <clears throat> All the believers devoted themselves. Notice that it doesn't say some of the believers half-heartedly devoted themselves. All of the believers devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, 
to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They were totally bored. Oh, no, he doesn't say that. A deep sense of awe came over them. Isn't that what you want to have? I want that for us in this place when we gather. A deep sense of awe came over them all. Not some of them, all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Verse 44, and all the believers met together in one place and shared Everything they had. Now, I know a thought bubble. Somebody's going, communist, socialism, what's happening here? The church. No. It's a spirit of generosity that came over the church. That's God's dream for the church. God, our God, the God of the Bible is a generous God, a sacrificial God, a God who shares everything with us. And that spirit, it came over this early church. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Verse 45, they sold their property and possessions and they gave it to a wealth manager to invest it in... No, no, it doesn't say that. It says they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. That is radical living. Generous, sacrificial. Verse 46... They worshiped together at the temple once a quarter. No, he doesn't say that. Oh, once a month. No, it doesn't say it. Once a week. No, it says they worshiped together at the temple each day. Wow. They met in homes. What? Hospitality pervaded this community. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great, what's the word? Joy. Do you want that? I want that. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while, they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. What happened? They lived this way in community. What happened? And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Why would the Lord ever add to a church's number if the church is unhealthy and selfish and stingy and critical and judgmental and irrelevant and boring and hypocritical? Healthy organizations grow. Healthy bodies grow. Healthy churches grow. And it's the people of God and belonging together and life together. That's what church is. Church isn't going to a building. Church isn't an event that we do. Church isn't a service that we run. Church is the people of God. The people of God. It's a family that I belong to. That's what church is, a family. That's how the Bible describes the church. And so, if I wasn't a pastor, I asked myself this, would I go to church? I've been a Christian for over 40 years. Would I still go to church? I've heard enough sermons. I've preached enough sermons. Would I still go to church? Do I need you all in my life? 
this messy group of people sitting in front of me, this complicated group of people? I have to ask myself that. Would I, if I wasn't paid to be a pastor, I'm a professional Christian, (laughs) would I go to church? The answer is yes, and here's why. I look at this passage and I go, this is what I want to experience and I want to help others experience. I want to contribute to a church family that looks like this. And so I have just a couple reflections from this passage. What we do as a church family, what we do as a church family is designed to equip you to experience life with God, to experience life with God through And that phrase is sacred rhythms. Sacred rhythms actually is a book written by Ruth Haley Barton. But sacred rhythms is is a phrase that some use the phrase a rule of life. Some use the phrase spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines. But when you think about rhythms, you think about the tides going in and out. In creation, there are rhythms of life. There are seasons of life, fall, winter, spring, summer. There's something about rhythms that... uh, that are a way of life that help us experience life to the fullest. There are built-in practices that we do, whether it be with working out, whether it be, um, I don't know, a a diet that you're on. It might be uh, your education. You, You create, hey, there's a rhythm to my life, my week, my schedule, right? Well, what about spiritual rhythms. The early church, Acts 42, they had sacred rhythms. Look at verse 42. They devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. For us, that's the Word of God, the the, the Word of God, the Bible. Devoting ourselves to reading and and meditating and chewing and, and, and reflecting on it and then responding to it. That's a rhythm. We call it a quiet time. We call it chair time. We call it Uh, An hour of prayer, that can be a sacred rhythm that some of you are continuing, a sacred rhythm. Let me ask you a question. Did God put you on earth to live a self-centered life? Raise your hand if you go, God put me on earth to live a self-centered life, okay? Bible says we're put on earth to live a God-centered life, a God-centered life, not a self-centered, but a God-centered. Not God first. Sometimes we, we hear, I get, you got to put God first in your life. And I always struggled with that because I always equated it to time. Well, I spend more time at work than I did in my quiet time. So my, my work life's really more important than my God life, right? We, we start, but, but if you put God in the center, think of your life as a, as a circle. God's in the middle, and, and, and out here is your career. Out here is your family. Out here is your hobbies. Uh, Over here's your money. Over here's your friendships. And God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the Word of God are influencing and impacting all of those choices and attitudes and responses to how do I live in family, in marriage, with roommates, in college? How do I approach money and spending and saving and giving? And how do I approach friendships with people in the church and outside that well god has something to say about all of life and so this idea of sacred rhythms it's about creating space in your life to hear the voice of god to speak about 
these different areas of what we call your life. Are you with me on that? This idea of sacred rhythms, it was so prevalent. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship. Those were what we call life groups. They were devoted to the Lord's Supper, communion, the regular rhythm of reminding each other that you're deeply loved by God through Christ and his death on the cross, devoted to prayer, devoted to worshiping together. Here's what Ruth Haley Barton writes in in her book. She says, many of us have a more clearly developed plan for finances, further education, home improvements, and physical fitness than we do for our spiritual lives. But I want you to hear that a sacred rhythm, a sacred, it's, it's to create space to hear God's voice. It's not a checklist where we get real legalistic. Had my quiet time. I prayed. I wrote a check to a ministry that I support. I served, right? Whatever. I went to my small group. And I'm the most unloving person in Santa Barbara. That doesn't work. The sacred rhythms are meant to help you live a with God life and become a more loving person. I'm gonna, just, I'm gonna just pick on this Sunday morning gathering for a second. Like, why church? Why come on Sunday? Why not just kind of do my own thing? Why not just go to the beach this morning instead and pray and, and experience God in creation? There's something about a weekly rhythm, gathering, being in community with other people, my dad, when he turned 75, which was about six or seven years ago, uh, my sister and I went with my dad, and we climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. It was a great life experience for us. But we also had the experience to go on an African safari. And, and we literally, some of you I know have had this experience, we had the treat, the privilege, to see a lion stalking, prowling, an antelope. There was this herd of antelope, and we were in this jeep, and we came up, and there was this lion, and it was hiding in the grass. <laughs> and it moved like this much. I mean, literally, we were, we were there, and it was just it was quiet, slow movement. And here's what happened. The herd of antelope started just going this way. But there was one just grazing over here going, ooh, yummy, 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 what's this? Berries, ooh, grass, yummy, 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 yummy. And, and found that was totally unaware of the pack of the family over here, slowly drifting away slowly disconnecting from the family, from the herd. (laughs) Right? Let me ask you a question. Is this little cute little antelope over here vulnerable? Yeah. Now look in the mirror. That's you. That's me. When we disconnect, when we think we can go on our own, when we think, I don't, I, don't need, I don't need the herd, I don't need the pack. 
First Peter chapter 5. Verse 8 says, stay alert, watch out, watch out, watch out. For your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. When you disconnect from the family of God, you and me, we become vulnerable. Our family becomes vulnerable. Our integrity, our character, our spiritual growth, strength, development, it all becomes vulnerable to the attack. There is, the Bible says, an enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy what God wants to do in your life to grow you to become more like Jesus. He's seeking to sabotage you. So the sacred rhythm of gathering is sticking together, in it together. I don't need this. Yummy, yummy, yummy. You now are becoming vulnerable. The sacred rhythms, that's part of the purpose behind it is to create space to receive God's love, to hear God's voice, but also to protect us. To protect us from the evil one. And we're vulnerable when we disconnect. Um, let me get to the second reflection. What we do as a church family is designed to help you Grow in love, in life, in love, through significant relationships. If you go back to verse 42, there's this word fellowship. The Greek word there is koinonia. Some of you are familiar with that word. It has to do with more than just shooting the breeze. Hey, how about those Lakers? Awesome. Hey, how about those Warriors? Ugh. It's, more, it's, it's about intimacy. Koinonia, fellowship, the early church, they, they, got, they shared fellowship. It's, it's about, how are you really doing? It's about letting others in. It's about being known, being loved, being noticed, being celebrated. Koinonia is close sharing. It's looking out for each other. They shared meals with joy and generosity. Sharing was part of the community of the early church sacrificing for one another, letting each other into, into our homes, hospitality. These were important elements of the early church. You know, if you've read at all any sociology or, I don't know, I like to read a whole bunch of stuff, but the, this whole topic of loneliness in our culture is real. The more connected we are on our, on our devices, the more lonely. Half, 50%, I just read, 50% of Americans feel lonely. And loneliness isn't about being by yourself. It's, a, it's actually about being in a group of people, I think. My lonely, one of my loneliest moments in life, I was in high school. I was in a youth group. We were at Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. And I was with like 30 teenagers. And I felt so alone. Like nobody knew or cared what I thought, what I wanted, what, what, what ride I wanted to go on. I was kind of chasing the group. And I just remember internally feeling like, doesn't even matter if I'm here. Nobody cares, nobody would know. Loneliness is real. How many of you know the name David Beckham? Know that name? You know him because he's cute or because he's a soccer player? <laughs> Ladies? <laughs> 
In children's church, I won't say who, but it was a woman who said, and his wife is an underwear model. I'm like, what? I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, I know, some of you just got that. Okay. David Beckham in 1998, the, the, the England was in the World Cup. They got through the, the, the first round or whatever and got into the knockout round, the, the uh, group of 16. If we have any football fans in the audience, you remember what happened? England was playing Argentina, and very close game. It ended up going into penalty kicks, but Beckham slid, and he kicked the captain for the Argentine team, and rather than getting a yellow card, he got a red card. Didn't even get a warning, just boom, got the red card. Gavin, do you remember this? And here's what happened. He got thrown out, and here's what he said, this quote. He said, when my teammates came into the dressing room after the game, I could feel my stomach tightening. No one breathed a word. I never felt so lonely in my life. I was isolated and afraid. I was trapped in guilt and anxiety. I think some of those adjectives would describe most of us in this room at one time or another. I was isolated and afraid. I've never felt so lonely at work, in my marriage, in my extended family. I was trapped in guilt and anxiety. And the Bible says that God has given us a family because God does not intend for you or me to be isolated or lonely. He's created us for community, and he's given us a family. The church is the family of God. And what you need to know is right here, right now, today, in this auditorium, that there are people around you that feel lonely, that feel isolated, that are filled with guilt, fear. And it takes you to invite, to risk, to reach, to say, hey, let's go to lunch, hey. Rather than, nobody's inviting me, no one's asking me, no one cares about me. I can get into that pity party even as the leader of this church. You're sitting out there going, well, you, you get invited to everybody's house. Everybody. Now, I don't want 100 invitations after this. <laughs> but, you know, I can start telling myself a story like, well, they only, they only invite me because I'm the pastor of the church. If I was just Joe Schmo John, then, you know, I'd be in bit. But Scripture encourages us to be looking out for others. It's not about me trying to get you to be interested in me. Significant relationships happen when you get interested in other people rather than trying to be an interesting person. Get interested in other people. Get curious about other people and begin to live a life of love. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. I love the way the message says it. <clears throat> Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Did you hear that? Keep company with him. That's the sacred rhythms. Keep company with him. Keep company with him and what? Learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. 
He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. I don't know about you, I read that and I, I, want, I, I want that. I want to be like that and I want to be part of a, a family that lives like that. The other night we had a, a dinner at the protege house and one of the protege, we were asking the question, why church? And one of the protégés, I loved her answer, she said this, she said, I didn't really grow up around the church. She said, church felt more like home than home. Just soak in that. I love that. Because that was true for me, too. Church felt more like home than home. What is home supposed to feel like? Safe, warm, loving, forgiving, bearing with each other, accepting, supportive, encouraging, right? Aren't they? Church felt more like home than home. I love that the church feels that way. I want the church to feel that way for you and for me. Let me just close with this last reflection. What we do as a church family is designed to equip you and listen to this to do good deeds which creates goodwill which opens people up to the good news I know that's a mouthful but I want you to see it in the text in verse 46 and 7 it says they worshiped together at the temple each day they met in homes for the Lord's Supper they shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and what enjoying what the goodwill of all the people. And then each day the Lord added to their fellowship those. See, God uses the good deeds of you and me, the generosity, the hospitality, the opening your home, the opening your pocketbook, the opening your heart and your life and letting others in, the gathering together. God uses those good deeds to create goodwill. People go, something different about the people that go to that church. The way they treat each other. The way they support each other. It feels safe, authentic. They're real. They're not faking it, pretending it. They're, they actually share what's really going on. There's something attractive. I, like All of us want to be part of something like that. God takes the good deeds of sacrifice, the good deeds of serving each other, he takes those good deeds and it, he creates goodwill, not only in here, but out there. And the good deeds that creates the goodwill among people, it opens and softens people's hearts to the good news. People that are like, I would never go to church because it's boring, irrelevant, judgmental, hypocritical. All of a sudden they're going, whoa, what? They're doing what? Those good deeds create goodwill and all of a sudden, a person's heart becomes softer and open to the good news of God. And that's what was happening here in the early church. And that's God's dream. You can't do that alone. You can't do that alone. 
We do it together. You know that African? We, uh, World Vision has created some t-shirts. I remember on one of my t-shirts years ago, it said, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And God's dream for the church isn't that we go fast. In fact, hurry is the enemy of the spiritual life. But God wants us to go farther together. So we go slow together in relationship. We slow down for each other. We listen to each other's stories. We care. We serve. We sacrifice. And all of a sudden, people are like, wow, this love thing, it actually works. This love thing actually makes a difference. We have a, a college student, Bridget. Where are you? Bridget. Bridget is a college student who uh, shared her story with Casey about choosing a church. And uh, we were touched by it, and we thought, you know, why don't you, why don't you just share your little story with us? So, Good morning. Let's welcome Bridget. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Um, I think it's so cool that we get to call each other family because how awkward would it be to say, like, good morning, church acquaintances? Like, that's not what it's about. Um, so, hello, family. Um, I've been coming to Ocean Hills consistently for three months, but on and off for two years. And um, just to give you some background, I'm a fourth-year senior at Westmont. So exciting! <laughs> um, I'm from Alaska. I have two big brothers and two amazing parents, and just wanted to give you con some context on um, what my church experience has been like. Um, I grew up church hopping a lot. Um, probably stayed at the same church growing up for maybe tops until I was six, and then we bounced around every couple years because the children's ministry wasn't great, or the worship was not to our liking, or the the sermons were getting too political, and I came into college with that same desire and want for a place to call home. And, um, you know, when, you know, my brothers gave me some really good advice about men, actually, growing up, and they said, don't be complacent, ever. Never be complacent. And I think that fear of complacency translated into my church life, and I was so afraid of settling with one place because what if there was something better? And so in college, it, same story. I, I hopped around, went to one church for a couple months, another church for a couple months, wherever my friends were really going, and um, it got really tiring. And I went abroad, I came back, and I was just wondering, like, Lord, where do you want me to be? Like, do, Are people going to miss me? Are people going to you know, invite me to, to come to church with them, like, I'm not sure, and um, just recently, this year, um, I came back to Ocean Hills after a little break of not being here, and um, the Lord whispered to me, he said, Bridget, family is not formed occasionally, it is formed consistently, and you have to show up you have to invest, you have to ask questions and make friends and put yourself out there and be bold like Christ is bold. He did not show up to a place scared of what other people were going to think of him. He showed up to places and introduced himself and here's the word of the Lord. And um, this is a place that I have found home. I have found family and friends and I'm still getting to know people and 
I really encourage you to reach out to people who are struggling to fit in or college students or people who look like they don't know what to do here. Like, reach out to them, say hello, invite them into this space because this is a space where we get to be authentic. We get to be ourselves and share our stories, and that's the reason I get to do this today. Okay. Um, I thought I would share a little um, verse that... Always good to share a Bible yes. verse in church. Of good course. job. <laughs> good place to do it. <laughs> Um, it's from Romans 15 and it talks about the example of Christ it says through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. We're called to live in harmony together. And I, if, if I hadn't committed to, to Ocean Hills or a church, like, I wouldn't have taken part of that prayer week. How cool is that? It was such an incredible week to dive deeper into mm. what it means to so be a good. family. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You put it in there. So let's, let's, let's close with that thought, uh, that word, harmony. I want you to know that if you stick with a church, if you commit to a church, and you should, if it's not this one, find one that, 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 that fits for you, but then commit to it. But I, I want you to know that there's no perfect church, that you're going to hear things that you disagree with, that you... Uh, you're going to meet people that maybe voted differently than you. At least in this church, you definitely will. Uh, and that's a good thing, actually. But you're going to get your feelings hurt. But the harmony thing is, is the commitment. It's hard to stick together. It's easier to leave. It's easier to wander. It's easier to go, I'm out. It's harder to go, I'm going to go have a conversation. I'm going to become a forgiver. I'm going to say I'm sorry. I'm going to let the Lord change my heart. I'm not going to check out. I'm going to check all the way in and jump in. That's my hope for you, that, that, that you'll say yes to the bride of Christ, this messy, complicated, sometimes often dysfunctional family that seeks to honor God by living in harmony and loving well and living generously it's messy but it's how we grow rick warren says you know the way you grow in love and your capacity to love god puts people that are annoying and hard to hard to love around you if you're going to grow that's how it happens not by putting the people that think the way you think and so differences are actually something we celebrate because we can learn from each other and i don't know where you're at in your journey with church but I would invite you this season of your life to, to lean in to this community, to say, how do I get more plugged in? I'm ready to plug in. I'm ready to be a part of this family. And then it's our job to help walk alongside you and get you plugged in. And that's part of how we want to get better as we look into the future. So let's pray together. Close your eyes for just a moment. I'm just imagining maybe there's a few people here that are out of harmony with somebody in their family, somebody in this church. 
Maybe you have a chip on your shoulder. Maybe there was a misunderstanding. You were overlooked. You were ripped off. You, I don't know what it was. Mistreated. Family that sticks together, we have to learn how to forgive each other, serve each other, overlook those offenses, ask God to heal the hurt. So right here, right now, Lord, I pray for, I pray, I proclaim that word, harmony, over our gathering. I, I don't know where you're working this morning. But I know that uh, I know that you're working, even when I can't see it or feel it. You're working, and when I don't know where to run, I run to you, my Father in heaven. I run to you and I say, God, help me to forgive, help me to live in harmony, help me to know that I'm loved, that I'm worth it, that I'm enough. I pray this morning, Jesus, that you would work that supernatural work in our hearts today. There's a phone call we need to make to a family member that we're alienated from or or there's a relationship that's broken and we need to reach out and send a text for a coffee to get it right. I, I, I pray for courage right in this place. The Bible says make love your highest aim. That's what we're shooting for, love. And love is more than an emotion or a feeling. Love is a decision. It's a verb. It's an action word. It's a choice we make. And so today, we want to love like you, and we want to live in harmony with one another. So have your way in us. We run to you now, God, because we don't know where else to run. Apart from you, we can do nothing. And so change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.